We are back. And in this hour, we're talking about Black infant mortality rates and how we keep Black babies safe. Joining me uh, in the first half of this hour is Nichelle Fleming. She's a communications specialist at the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. And Pam Ricker-Springs, she's the director of the Office of Communications, U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. Thank you so much, Pam. And thank you so much, Nichelle, for joining and helping shed light on this really, really important issue. I want to start with just uh, if, Pam, you could just provide for us what the stats are around Black infant mortality rates, and particularly as it relates to sleep patterns and and unsafe products. Well, thank you so much for having me. First of all, um, Ariva, I, I've really, uh, I'm a big fan of, of your work. I've been watching you for quite some time now. So I am, I am truly honored uh, to be in your presence and to share this important information. Um, what we know is that too many, too many black babies um, are dying from preventable um, behaviors from, from preventable, um, you know, items and, and, and activities. Um, you know, Nikki, uh, has certainly been working on this issue for, you know, at least a decade. I'm, I'm fairly new to the, to the, uh, to the agency. But what I do know is that there are just too many black babies dying. I've been, um, you know, talking with, with experts from the American Academy of Pediatrics, um, from pediatricians, um, uh, you know, around the country. And, you know, the general feeling is that many of these babies could be saved if their parents would observe, you know, some of the, you know, practices that we at the Consumer Product Safety Commission um, encourage parents to do. Um, and these are things that, you know, may not occur to us, you know, as 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 I'm an old black person, so I'm just going to tell you, I'm a grandmother of two. I've got great grand nieces, great grand nephews, um, and some of the practices that I thought showed love to my granddaughter, you know, filling her crib with blankets and toys um, were the absolute opposite of what of what needs to happen. And certainly Nikki, Nikki can speak to that. She is she is our expert on that issue. Well, thank you, first of all, Pam, for those kind words. And thank you for joining uh, us. These are stories that resonate with me. I'm a black mother. Uh, three kids. And obviously this issue is one that's important to me. And like you, I'm sure I did so many things wrong when my kids were infants, which is why these kinds of uh, conversations are so important to our community. So I will ask you, uh, Nikki, if you could just tell us like, what are some of the common reasons that we're seeing Black babies, uh, you know, die? And are there disparities, uh, you know, are there racial disparities with respect to these mortality rates? Yes, and thanks for having me too. I'm excited to be here as well. And I'm also a mother of three. I have, and I just became a grandmother actually, uh, first time grandma, literally a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> but um, it's so important. I think the most important thing is to remember is that what may look safe for us as adults, and I know I'm guilty of this. My husband teases me for having 5,000 pillows and blankets in my sleep space, but I'm an adult. So developmentally, that's fine for me, but it's not okay for young babies. And I know we tend to get our advice. I know I did when I was a young mom from our, our moms, our aunties and grandmas. Um, but the information has changed. Science has changed and the guidance has changed. So what's so important is making sure that you're starting with a safe sleep environment um, and placing your baby on their back to sleep. The back to sleep campaign has been around more than 30 years. 
I've actually been at the commission 32 years. So always placing your baby to sleep on the back. And this is in accordance with the American Academy of Pediatrics recommendations. It's the safest space and way to place your baby. But where you place your baby is where CPSC comes into play because we're the Consumer Product Safety Commission. So when it comes to the products, starting with that safe sleep space, a product intended for sleep. So a crib, a bassinet, a play yard with the fitted sheet only and bare as best. Nothing else in that sleep space is needed. Literally baby on their back, fitted sheet only and go back to basics. Okay, so Nikki, so all of us that put pillows around the baby and toys in the crib, so none of that is recommended by the Consumer Product Safety Commission. No, what um, what cozy, your baby doesn't have to be cozy with all the clutter. Um, So again, nothing else is needed in the baby's sleep space. In fact, about 100 deaths um, are due to unsafe sleep spaces where additional and extra padding and bedding has been added to that sleep space. So pillows, blankets, comforters are the reason for those 100 deaths out of the nursery product related deaths report, our most recent data, um, and about 15 deaths in incline products. So firm, flat surface, again, in accordance with the American Academy of Pediatrics recommendations, always on your back, uh, to reduce not only suffocation, but also SIDS, sudden infant death. So always placing your baby on their back in that sleep space and in a product that's actually intended for sleep. I know uh, my children also used to fall and sleep in products that were not intended for sleep, such as your swings and other products. Um, we actually tried to use the swing back then, <laughs> almost 30 years ago, to try to put the baby to sleep. Um, but you should remove your baby if they fall asleep in any other location. You should remove them and place them into that safe sleep space, that crib, that bassinet or play yard. So, Pam, we've got to come clean all these practices that many of my listeners and viewers, and I know I'm guilty of, we're home as a new mother and you're nursing and you're sleep deprived and you get the baby out of the crib and you're going to nurse with that baby on your and sleep in the baby fall in a bed environment where there are pillows and top sheets and comforters. What does the Consumer Product Safety Commission say about that practice, uh, Pam, which I know is common for a lot of new mothers? You know, um, one of the things that uh, I I am uh, I, I feel like it's a real privilege uh, to to see um, are the uh, some of the overnight death reports that um, come into us from hospital emergency rooms around the country. Um, And I have seen some truly heartbreaking uh, incidents reported where, just as you say, a mother is nursing, a mother is tired. I'm just going to have the baby beside me. And, you know, if it falls asleep, that's fine. I've got it. I've got the baby and it's going to be safe. And, you know, sadly, the next morning, you know, a parent has rolled over on a baby, a baby has rolled into a pillow, right? And, you know, the what happens is a baby is not strong enough to correct if their breathing is obstructed. So, you know, you're doing what you're doing, what you think is right, right? You you, Mm -hmm. want to love your baby. And I think what Nikki and I are trying to do with, you know, with with talking with people like you and other folks around the country is to let them know that, you know, less, you know, less clutter doesn't mean less love. And just because you, you know, if your baby falls asleep, put it back in the crib. That's the best thing you can do uh, 
uh, to love your baby. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't appreciate, um, you know, the, the, the nursing. I am, I'm a stepmom. And so these, these are my stepkids. Um, but I certainly have, have seen my stepdaughter, uh, and my nieces and nephews go through this. And, you know, I warn them all, you know, if the baby falls asleep, you know, set, set your timer, set your, set your Apple watch for 10 minutes, wake up, put the baby back in the crib. That's the best thing you can do. No, it's really incredibly uh, important and uh, good advice. So, so Nikki, talk about these disparities. Do we see Black babies dying at higher rates because Black mothers are not following some of these basic protocols? What's causing there to be disparities? Yeah, our most latest data is we've seen about 160 nursery product-related deaths annually associated with nursery products, and about 29% were associated with African-American children. So we know there's a disparity there because we represent only about 16% of the population, and we have about nearly 30% of the, the deaths uh, reported. So what we want to make sure is that all parents know how to create that safe sleep space for baby, and again, starting with that product that's intended for sleep and simply using that fitted sheet only and not adding any additional bedding to that sleep space is so important. And it's important to not only tell parents that, but I was going to say grandparents and the aunties and the other family members, because you've got a lot of help sometimes. And even with partners um, and, and the whole idea of rolling over in, in an adult bed or something, even we've had fathers accidentally fall asleep on sofas and lounge chairs, you know, watching, you know, something and falling asleep as well. So this, this applies to all of everyone in the family, everyone responsible for that little life, you know, babies, babies rely on us to create that safe space. So it's all of our jobs. I'm thinking of these very popular pictures on Instagram where you have a black dad who's in a chair reclining or on a sofa and there's an infant on his chest, right? And that infant is asleep. The dad is asleep. And that picture is like wildly popular because it's like that dad is bonding with the baby and, oh, we love it. We love it. We like it. We share it. And you're saying that's a no-no. That dad, once he falls asleep, there should be a clock or something that wakes him up, takes that baby off his chest because I'm thinking, yes, that baby could roll off the chest onto the floor onto the, you know, the sofa, get caught in between the cushions. There's so many things that can happen. But do you think there's something culturally, uh, you know, Pam, that's happening in our community around that? Because that is an image that I see a lot that's applauded. And, you know, I applauded it as well before I came to the agency, you know, to, to be honest. But, you know, again, and I think it's important that we not blame the parents. This is an education campaign. As Nikki said, some of these, you know, some of these campaigns have been around for decades. I think what's been missing um, in a lot of them, not all of them, but what's been missing is the really targeted approach in the community that needs to hear it, right? And so that's what we're here to do. Um, I spoke with uh, a, a doctor, a pediatrician um, in Cook County, Chicago, um, a few, uh, a few, uh, several months ago, actually. And he let me know that I believe 80% of the SIDS deaths in his, uh, in his, uh, locality were African American, African American mothers. 80% of SIDS death, African American mothers. So it's not the, it's not the babies. It's, it's the, but let me ask you something, Pam. Is, mm-hmm. is SIDS sudden infant death syndrome, is that different than what we're talking about? Like if a baby rolls over, 
and suffocates because they roll into a pillow. Is that a different type? Is that characterized differently when that baby presents at an emergency room or at a hospital? Nick is going to correct me, but I think it really depends on how the medical examiner, how the how the the death is presented um, in the medical information in the emergency room. There may be some, you know, deaths from suffocation that may be characterized as SIDS and vice versa. I think the, the bottom line is we, we don't know what we don't know, but what we can do is we can do our best to protect our babies in the way that we know how, and that's educating parents on the most on the best way to put their babies to sleep, on how not to crowd cribs, on how, you know, how to put babies to sleep in, you know, products that are intended. So education is what we're here to do and to not, you know, not blame parents and to educate, as as Nikki said, the grannies like me, the aunties like like others, um, and really to reinforce that. You know, there there is a, you know, I don't have to tell you, there is a, a, a bit of skepticism when it comes to government you know, uh, information and advice given to certain communities. And what we're here to do is we're here to say, this is the right thing to do. This is what the science is telling us. And so we really need to, you know, reinforce that and educate. So how is this information, Nikki, getting disseminated? Because, you know, I'm trying to think back when you leave a hospital with a newborn, is there information provided to that parent at that time? Because I, I don't recall in my own case, and I don't know now if a new mother goes to a hospital, suppose they give birth in one of these birthing centers or all the alternative uh, locations where we know some parents are using to give birth. How will they get this information? Like something as basic as put the baby on the back on a hard surface. Don't sleep with the baby on your chest. Don't sleep with the baby next to you in a adult size bed. Don't let the baby sleep in the car seat. All these you know, safety rules and, and safety protocols that parents should be following. How do they get that information? Yeah, it's so important. Well, one thing you can come to us, so cpsc.gov backslash safe sleep. Um, but what you said about hospitals, I mean, we do work to get our information directly into the hands of hospital staff. And, and in fact, we're actually presently being shown on WebMD and hundreds of hospitals nationwide with our safety videos as well to give you the tips that you need to keep your baby safe. Um, and, and know that the products that we're recommending, the crib, the bassinet and play yard, they have to meet our federal standards. So that's the other important tip here when you're choosing products, again, intended for sleep, there is that standard behind it. So it can't be sold in the United States unless it meets our federal regulations. These products have been around for decades. Um, and some of the regulations are actually that old as well. So there's so many new products. I know uh, with my daughter having a recent shower, you know, she's receiving products from left and right, and you're just unsure. Go back to basics, crib, bassinet, play yard, um, and products like you see loungers and rockers and other products that are not intended for sleep. Um, you know, make sure you're using them in that way, not, not for sleep, but again, placing the baby and transferring the baby to that safe sleep space. Yeah, and Ariva, all, if I could, uh, go ahead, jump in. No, no, no. I was just gonna, just gonna say, and it's the good news is that it's not just you know Nikki and me and the CPSC that's giving that information. NIH has great information to share. The White House has a great initiative um, that's that's you know grassroots using the uh, using the 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 congregations of the what is it uh, Kojic uh, Church of Church of God in Christ. Christ. I got, yeah. Um, so the, the the White House is doing it. We're doing it. There are lots of folks out there with lots of information. And, you know, we're just hoping that, you know, folks will, will socialize it as well. 
Yeah. And just real quickly, uh, if all of these products, I assume Nikki have some indication that they have been approved by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. So obviously parents should be looking for that stamp of approval before they utilize any product with respect to a newborn. Yeah, some of that marketing information may vary. So one thing we do want consumers to check is for recalls as well, because you can't always look at a product and know whether it has been recalled. So CPSC actually recalls hundreds of products every year. So not just baby products, but products used in and around your home. We have jurisdiction of all consumer products in the home. So anything from your furniture to your appliances uh, to your electronics in your home, they're all under our jurisdiction. So we want consumers to know about these recalls so they can take advantage of the remedies, the repairs, the replacements, and the refunds available. And sometimes people just don't hear about that. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure everyone knows how to sign up to get direct notification directly from us at cpsc.gov. And you can also download our recall app there as well. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you so much, Pam. Great information. Congratulations on this campaign. So much needed information. Uh, and hopefully it will get into the hands of those new mothers and fathers and family members that need it the most. Uh, when we come forward, more on how to keep your baby safe and what two parents decided to do uh, to help other parents. Stay with us. KBLA Talk 1580. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. We are back, and in this hour, we're talking about Black babies, we're talking about baby safety, and we're talking about what mothers are provided in terms of information about how to even keep their babies safe, particularly when they're leaving a hospital or a birthing center. Uh, And in this half of the show, I'm happy to have with us uh, Sarah Steinhardt and Juliet Fuse. They are the co-founders of Welcome Baby USA, and uh, let's talk about... uh, Juliet, what you and Sarah are doing to help keep babies safe. First of all, I want to just congratulate you on starting uh, this organization. So needed. And I'd love to hear about what you guys are doing currently in this space. Sure. So Welcome Baby um, is a nonprofit that we founded back at the beginning of 2019. And we have a, a very simple but very critical mission. And that is to provide low-income families with one package that contains everything a newborn needs in the first month of life. Um, What are these items? They're very, very basic, but they're incredibly important for the health and safety and development of babies. Uh, 200 diapers in size newborn and size one, wipes, bottles, rash creams, a baby carrier, a thermometer, basic clothing, uh, swaddle blankets. Um, These are items that absolutely no baby should ever go without um, and that we feel very passionately that no family and particularly no mother who's recovering from delivery and, and working on the transition into motherhood should struggle to afford and struggle to provide Um, and when you consider that these items, um, purchased, you know, at a local pharmacy, uh, in small quantities can add up to almost $500 just to get you through the first month of life. Um, we feel that every family should have these items within arm's reach when they have a newborn in their home. So Sarah, what inspired, uh, you and Juliet to start in 2019 welcome baby? 
So um, we, I had just had my first uh, child. Uh, this is a, a little bit before 2019. And, um, you know, having your first baby kind of, you know, rocks your world. Um, and I remember it was the middle of winter and I ran out, you know, he was two weeks old. I was two weeks postpartum and really having a hard time um, and a lot of anxiety. And uh, I ran out to get diapers and I stopped on the corner and I just, I started crying and I kept thinking to myself that this is, this feels so hard to me. And I am so lucky because I can go to the pharmacy and I can spend what I need, uh, you know, on diapers and anything else that's needed. And I have the resources and I have the support. How are so many families, so many women all over the country doing this with, you know, no stable income, no stable housing, maybe no familial support. Uh, and that's really kind of how it started. At the same time, I had come across a, uh, some press about um, uh, a, a government program in Finland in which every family giving birth to a baby goes home with a, a baby box and it has everything a newborn needs for that, you know, first those first weeks and months of life. And I thought, we thought, you know, why can't we do that here? There's such a glaring need for support for families, you know, who are struggling. Um, this is a, this could be a cheap and simple solution to one part of a much bigger problem. And that's how we started. We started from our living room floors, um, you know, back in 2018. Uh, and, you know, now we work with a distributor based out of Florida and we can, you know, we've shipped five, 5,000 packages all over the country. So I, mean, I know uh, you heard, Sarah, some of the conversation I was having with uh, the representatives from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. One of the questions was, how do parents even get information about, you know, how uh, to make sure a baby is sleeping safely, how to place a baby onto a hard surface, or why it's important to place a baby on his or her back on a hard surface? And I know you all have a program, you said, uh, in New York, where you are providing some of that information to parents. Tell us about that program. So thank, thanks for asking. So we're really, really proud of this. And it's it's really, it's very new and it's really localized to our uh, our partner uh, hospital, uh, one of our partner organizations, Jacoby Medical Center in the Bronx. Um, last year, we they, we'd been partnering with them for, for a couple of years, giving them, sending them welcome baby boxes for their mother baby clinic every month. And in working with uh, one of the pediatricians there, um, Dr. Uh, Elizabeth Worley, we started sort of batting around the idea of developing an anticipatory guidance program in which any family, any new mother and new baby taking home a welcome baby package would uh, also um, be given, you know, 10, you know, a, a, sort of like a 20 minute rundown on keeping your baby safe all of the things that go into, um, you know, how to safely feed your baby, um, how they should sleep, how much clothing they should wear, depending on, you know, the temperature, um, umbilical cord care, uh, what to do if a baby has a fever, um, and things like bathing. Um, these are things that, you know, I know that when I left the hospital, no one really talked to me about it. Um, you know, thankfully, I had people around me who who educated me, but I, I don't know, I mean, would I have had to have read an entire book? I'm sure maybe I would have figured it out. Maybe I wouldn't have. Um, so we're really, really proud of this. And it's been really successful. And uh, we continue to run it. Um, and we're hoping to expand. Um, we're creating sort of a pamphlet that can be uh, distributed more widely. And, I, you know, our, our goal is to duplicate this program at other partner organizations. 
Well, that's incredible. Uh, what has the response been, Juliet, uh, when you send out these boxes? How does a parent know? Like, how, Let me start a couple of questions. One, how do you identify who's going to get a baby box? Uh, and then two, what has the response been from those parents that have been lucky enough to receive one? Sure, that's a great question. So um, Welcome Baby is an organization. We don't give packages out directly to individuals. We partner with hospitals, healthcare facilities, um, health clinics across the country, um, typically that cater to low-income populations. And we rely on the social workers at these institutions to distribute the packages to our patients in need. Um, so in terms of feedback that we get, uh, it's really overwhelming. Um, the number one feedback we get from our partner organizations is can we get more packages? The need is so great. We have so many families who need them. Can you provide us with more? And we are told consistently that new mothers um, or expecting mothers cry when they receive the package, that the relief is so great to know that these items um, are things that they have that they won't have to struggle to afford. We get feedback that um, being given these items allows families to not have to make difficult decisions like paying a utility bill or buying more diapers um, for their baby or things, really heartbreaking scenarios like feeding the other children in the house versus buying rash creams um, for their newborn. So these are making a real impact um, in terms of just health and wellness for babies, but also reducing stress for parents and also improving outcomes in these scenarios for entire families, other children included. Um, when these needs are met, parents um, and new moms are able to focus on their baby's health, their own postpartum recovery, and caring for the family as a whole. And we think that that's really powerful. So if an organization wants to partner with you, how are they able to do that, Sarah? So, you know, we we get inquiries from organizations. We are trying to respond to all of them. You know, the only thing holding us back is just is is fun funding. Um, so we are sort of we are hustling as 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 fast as we can to increase our fundraising so that we can serve more uh, folks all over the country. Um, but you can reach us through our website, info at welcomebabyusa.org. Um, and we'd love to start the dialogue. Uh, but, you know, right now, that's the only obstacle. Um, we're in the middle of a matching campaign for, for November uh, ahead of Giving Tuesday. And so we're really optimistic that um, sort of the success of that campaign will allow us to expand. Yeah, when we come forward, I want to talk about what that expansion looks like for your organization. And what are some of the biggest obstacles that you uh, have personally encountered that parents are talking about? Like what is, uh, in addition to what you're doing now, what else do new mothers need to ensure the safety of their babies? Stay with us. KBLA Talk 1580. We are back. And this whole hour has really been about keeping children, babies safe. How do we provide more support for new mothers? How do we make sure that babies are not put in difficult situations or diff situations that can literally lead to their deaths? And we talked in the first half of the show about 
uh, high infant mortality rates for children, particularly children of color, because of certain unsafe sleeping practices. And in this segment, we've been talking about uh, two mothers who saw a need, who realized that parents, particularly those parents in low-income communities, often needed assistance. Uh, Sarah, so again, congratulations on seeing a need and jumping in to provide a solution for that need. I know you guys are fairly new, but like, what's your vision? What, what's, what are you hearing most from parents about what their immediate needs are? So our vision is, is pretty, pretty expansive. Um, you know, right now, uh, there are no state or federal subsidies that cover anything in a welcome baby package or really any of the basic needs of, of uh, newborns. Um, we see that as unacceptable. Um, these are necessities. They're not luxuries. They're just sort of the basic requirements that any newborn, you know, needs when they come home from the hospital. So in our, you know, long-term plan, we hope, uh, to get to a point where every, any family that needs a welcome baby package or its equivalent will have access to it free of charge. Um, there's an opportunity here for the Department of Health and Human Services to jump in and, uh, you know, make a really sort of tangible um, impact. Um, and, you know, the nice thing is, is that when done correctly, this is sort of a, it is a cheap and simple solution to one part, one part of a much bigger problem. But I think that having these tangible solutions, you know, if you can kind of start stacking those up, they end up making a huge impact later on. That's that's our that's our vision. So can you explain for us, Julia, what are some of those things from a policy standpoint? Because you're talking about policy changes, right, Sarah? You're talking about policy changes both at the federal level and the state level. You know, if you had a magic wand, Juliet, you were able to, you know, to wave that wand. What would be the first one or two policy changes you'd like to see that would provide more support for newborn uh, babies? Sure. Well, you know, I think back to um, when I came home from the hospital with my first child. Um, it was a really difficult moment in my life. My father was very sick. He passed away when she was six months old. Um, and sort of being on the front lines of life's beginning and end simultaneously was incredibly difficult for me. Um, and just personally, I remember in some of the most challenging moments that I faced during that time in my life, the thing that I felt really grateful for um, was that I had a paid maternity leave and that mm. because of that money coming in, even though I wasn't actually working at that moment, I knew that I was able to provide the things that I needed for my baby to be healthy, um, to grow well, to be safe. And that allowed me a sense of grace in terms of, of raising her and starting my journey into motherhood at that moment. And I would say that there are many problems, um, you know, in the postpartum space in this country, but the lack of paid guaranteed um, maternity leave is a major issue. Um, when you think about the items in a welcome baby package, you realize that these are things that every baby needs and they're costly. They add up to about $500. We are able to provide these to a family free of charge um, for only $160 in donations because we are able to buy in bulk and reduce costs, et cetera. Um, but when you think that families are reaching this point where they need these costly items to um, 
to give their baby a healthy start to life. And at the same time, any income has likely stopped because so many people don't have um, any paid maternity leave. And there are no federal subsidies, as Sarah said, or state subsidies for any of these things. So if you're on um, WIC, if you're on SNAP, you can't use either of those programs to buy diapers or rash creams or thermometers or things that you really need. So, uh, you know, I would say one major, major policy issue is having paid maternity leave. I, I think that's not really a lot to ask. And Sarah, do you see any difference in the different communities that you all have sent your welcome baby uh, packages to? Like, you know, is there a difference in what the needs of parents in the Bronx are versus the needs of a parent, say, in Evanston, Illinois, or, you know, who may be living in Jacksonville, Florida? So as you move about the country or around the country, are there differences? Are you hearing from your parents that their needs differ based on their geographics? It's such a such a great question. Thanks for asking that. So the 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 beauty of the welcome baby box is that we've kind of whittled it down to those core items that just any newborn needs, whether you are living um, in a city, if you're living in a sort of more rural area, uh, these are the items that just any newborn needs, you know, without any frills. Now, what we do see is that for uh, folks who are bringing newborns home in uh, living in a city, our baby carrier is such a huge advantage and such a huge asset. So when you think about, you know, um, a, a, a newborn and a uh, newly postpartum woman who is trying to get their ba- her baby to their first doctor's appointment three days postpartum, three days after birth, you know, we've heard from so many families that they had no idea how they were going to transport their baby. Would they have to carry them in their arms on the subway, on the bus, on the train? No. So um, these baby carriers are, are a huge asset. Um, so we do see that, you know, when you're living in more rural areas, you know, obviously the need for things like uh, 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 car seats is is huge. We, that's not something we provide um, just because of the bulk and, and the expense. But we do feel that these boxes are sort of the core items that any newborn needs. And are you finding any differences, Sarah? Again, I know, so you're saying, obviously there are some differences geographically, but what about different ethnic groups, different racial groups? Are you finding that, you know, some of your minority families that you're providing these boxes to, are they expressing, you know, I wish this box had X that may be different yes. from some of your non-minority yeah. families? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think we hear a lot that we wish that, you know, people wish the boxes had even more, you know, more diapers, more wipes, more rash creams. You know, oftentimes we'll hear that, you know, a request for, you know, things like formula um, or even just different kinds of bottles. You know, we, we forget uh, that it takes a while to figure out what kind of bottle your baby, you know, might be comfortable with. Um, we only provide one kind. We're proud of that. But, you know, obviously there's so there's so many intricacies uh, to bringing home a newborn baby. And so we try to provide everything that, you know, a, a family might need, you know, sort of in those, in that kind of most basic category. Um, but yeah, of course we do hear that. Um, you know, we hear the need for more clothing. Um, I'm trying to think uh, those are the big ones, just more diapers, more wipes. You know, we provide 200 diapers, but, it's just, we wish we could provide double, you know, double that. 
Oh, absolutely. Well, I am, again, just congratulate Shun to both of you on, you know, giving of yourselves as new moms, as busy moms. Uh, I can imagine that this has been, you know, a labor of love for you. And, and you have blessed so many families because of these welcome baby boxes. Uh, I hope that your vision of growing your programs, providing more boxes to more families throughout the country and expanding into some of these policy areas uh, that that, you know, becomes very much a part of where your organization is over the next uh, several years. Again, keep us posted. Anything we can do to get the word out there, other organizations that you may want to connect with who obviously may have uh, a need for these services. I know, as you said, the need is, is tremendously great. Uh, we're going to make sure that folks have access to your website if they want to support the work that you're doing uh, so that those new moms can definitely get all of those items they need to go home uh, to ensure that their baby gets a good and healthy start. Again, thank you, Sarah, and thank you, Juliet.